0: Bill Bishop loves tarpon, a lot. So much he's dedicated a large part of his life to them. He's chased them for four decades. He's painted them, sculpted them, written books and articles too about his beloved fish, and he engaged in the mass efforts to save them from those in Boca Grande who abused this sacred pass and the fish that harbored in its deep currents. Today, we visit him and hear why he feels his heart attack was the best thing that ever happened to him.
1: We broke everything. We broke lines, we broke hooks, we broke rods, we broke our minds, we broke marriages, we broke the whole thing. We
0: uh, came up with the idea of going out that night and chasing girls and whoever had the biggest pair of panties went to pot. I knocked another arrow and he turned around the other way and I shot him going through the other way. So I double lunged him both ways.
2: But it was nothing for us to paddle an air mattress out into government cut. I got him on, all right,
1: now we're gonna teach him a lesson.
2: I'm just an old guy that likes to fish. I'm not quitting yet.
1: And he said, well, who the hell do you think you are, Sue App?
0: And I said, that's exactly who I am. Life's journey to the grave should not be one arriving with a pretty, well-preserved body, but rather skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly torn out, thoroughly used up, proclaiming wildly, wow, what a ride.
2: (laughs) There's something fishy going on here.
0: Bill Bishop, man. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. It's been you a too. long time. Um, forever, you've had a huge presence in the tarpon world. You're an artist. You've written a book. Tell me about when you first saw a tarpon and how all of a sudden it, it basically, your whole life has been consumed by a couple of things. and One is a turkey and one is a tarpon. Let's talk about tarpon. Um, we had a home uh,
2: over on Mosquito Lagoon. And mostly we fished redfish and trout, but I was hearing about all you guys down in the Keys and and uh, watching the shows. But you and, started
0: doing this before I started tarp fishing for tarpon. Well, didn't I think you? so,
2: but I'm just saying all you guys, meaning all you hardcore. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. And uh, so I decided that I saw some fish up behind a elementary school, and I told my son, "Let's go up there and see if we can catch one." We took a nine weight and and uh went into this little basin and they were 40 50 pounders and i i thought well they ought to like a lefty's deceiver i mean that seems like something they'd eat and threw that thing out there and one ate it and uh they'd like to kill both of us we didn't know what we were doing we had no clue and uh had him on an eight weight and uh what
1: year was this bill
2: oh that might have been you know i'm gonna to have to think about it but billy was uh, probably in the 80s uh, mm-hmm. 90s 90s late 90s uh, and uh anyway we
0: that's when you first saw tarpon yeah for late 90s
2: well no i'd seen tarpon but i never said i never paid much mind to him
0: just, so you you were after me
2: i was i, I was already doing it then y- yeah. yeah 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 so we caught it and uh I told my son, I said, you know, uh, grab that thing, and he did, and, it, and he couldn't hold on <laughs> I know, <laughs> you
0: know? wrestling, yeah, terrible wrestling.
2: Yeah, so uh, we were late getting out of there. It was dark, and I took off, and I had a little tiller boat, and uh, hit the throttle with it, turned it, you know, and the engine comes off and sunk, fell in the water. So I said, <laughs> The Boy, engine
0: came off the boat.
2: Yeah, and uh, so we paddled home. And uh, and uh, that was it. I told him later. I said, you know, that wasn't a that wasn't the best experience we ever had. But I'm going to do some more of that. I'm pretty hooked on this right now. So oh. found tarpon in the lagoon, uh, and I never nobody had ever talked about him. And uh, this is the Indian River Lagoon. Yeah, yeah, but it was the big the big water in the right. lagoon, and um, so. I couldn't catch them. They were rolling, and they were screwing down underneath their roll. You've seen them sure. do that? Yeah, yeah. And they'd kick their tail up at the end. they go right
0: back down to the bottom. Right
2: down and blow air bubbles. Yep. And uh, But I was thinking they were going to be over here, because that's the direction they were heading. Right. So Tommy Lott was there seeing his in-laws, and I said, I got some tarpon out here, but I can't catch them. So he said, hell, let's go catch them. So... He took a plug rod and we went out there and he said you throw out the air bubbles and i said all right and so he throws over there and drive. that's
0: it and so learned how to catch him he unlocked that door it's funny you mentioned uh, tommy lock because when i first fished home Sassa, i only fished there you know maybe a couple of years but only maybe 10 days for the two years um and but you've been with Tommy for 25 years or so. Or longer. Or longer. Yeah. 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 Closer to 35. I yeah. Uh, let's shift um, topics here briefly because your artwork is is so profound. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Um, if you don't know Bill Bishop, the artist, you should. No, well, that's uh, kind of you. No, but it's true. I mean, uh, when I first got into it, I went to Sandy Moret shop and. Um, down in the Keys, and he had a couple of your prints. And, uh, you know, the tarpon with a little fly, and yeah. I think there's a bonefish. Yeah, yeah. I got them hanging out in my house in Aspen. house. Do you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. But then you, you wrote this book. So you've really had a big, um, you know, it's been a, a big part of your life. Was there anybody that influenced you other than just the tarpon itself? Um, you know, uh, I look at the guys
2: that grew up down in the Keys, and they all. watch watched your podcast, which I love. Love it. Thank my, you. My grandchildren love it. We all watch every one of. Them. My wife likes it. You know, <laughs> she doesn't need tarpon. Fan. That says a lot when yeah. the wives like it. <laughs> yeah, she she does. But um, uh, I, I really didn't have anybody except when I met Tommy that that could relate to tarpon. Everybody. Everybody fished for redfish in and, and the trout in the lagoon. And um, when we sold our company in 99, and this is hard for me to believe saying it, but I'd never been to the Keys. And I grew up, I was born here in Orlando. Right. I just never been. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was difficult because I was trying to run a company and I had 58 people and... So, you know, I didn't know whether to go when business was good or bad, so I didn't go. And uh, so everything I fished was close, Mosquito Lagoon, and uh, and then Boca Grande after that. And um, so, no, I I wasn't spurred on by a buddy that liked to carp and fish or anything like that. Um, But I'd had that experience with them, and I thought, this this has got to be it.
0: Well, I know you and Flip are big friends, and he was a big inspiration to me, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast uh, before I'd ever even seen a saltwater fish. Tell me about your relationship with uh, Flip and Lefty both. I never would have met Lefty without Flip.
2: Uh, That was on my list was to meet him. That might have been number
0: four or five. It was right up there. And we'll talk about that list you had after your heart attack here in a minute.
2: Yeah, but— uh, so Flip made that possible and he made so many things possible to me he he um, he was bigger than life I, I'd watched his shows you know I was all into it and and the first time I met him we ended up talking about turkey hunting and uh, so that's the first thing we did together we started turkey hunting together and uh, you know we just it, it was incredible I mean they had they had so many turkeys on this piece of property. And, and, uh, wait, I, I don't know if the statute of limitations has come up yet. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ought to go into that. But we killed our share. And, uh, but it was incredible. And, uh, and you, you
1: ended
0: on. up, uh, on his show, Walker's Cay. I did. Two or three times, That's right? right. Yeah. What were you fishing for? Where were you? Uh,
2: Mosquito again. And then one, tr- one, uh, trip to Boca Grande. And uh, and it was it was cool. It was so cool for me, you know. I I I didn't have the pedigree, you know, that that a lot of fellas had down there in the keys, or someone would pick them up like a uh, you know a seasoned angler would pick that up and say, "Come here, I got some stuff I want to show you." So when Flip came along, he was he was that guy, and. uh, and, and so being on his show, it was just hard for me to believe. I never I dreamed that I would end up on it. I was
0: on one of his shows after Walker's. I was so damn nervous. I was. Right? Too, I was too. You had a camera, you were Flip. <laughs> it
2: was so funny. They were shooting film. And uh, you remember the sound guy, I wish I could remember his name, and the other one. but. They couldn't separate the sound from the from the film, so whatever was said was permanently on that film right and they started charging me a hundred dollars every time I swore
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was
2: down a lot you know I, said, I didn't know you could fish without cussing you know <laughs> and uh, Flip said something like fricking, and I said, hundred bucks," and he said, no no I said." Yeah, that's because it's his show. That's, <laughs> that's right. crap, not, man. Yeah. That ain't fair. But uh, yeah, it was so fun. And and uh they, he just, you know, he he has a way with words. He's gonna shoot me for telling this story, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. We we were duck hunting and uh and uh, we we'd killed a number of ducks. We had a layout boat in the airboat <clears> and <throat> we'd take turns getting in the layout boat. And, we pulled up to this uh, area where we were cleaning our ducks on the tailgate of the truck and uh, these two fellas come along and they see Flip and, they, and the guy walks over and he said I know you I know you and Flip said you know me he said yeah you're the fishing poet and I, st- I, I started laughing I was howling and he turned around and he says don't you ever repeat that story. I was like, I'm going to tell everybody that
0: story. <laughs> but uh, he's just got this way of, you know. He speaks differently. He so
1: does. Does. He is. Yeah, um, it, it's almost like I don't even want to say anything when I'm around him because I feel so stupid. I do he too. Do, he does have a way with words and it the way does. he forms sentences is.
0: I mean, his language is an art form. It is. And Tom McGuane, he's. Tom McGuane, hes it's not an art form, it's just really smart really intelligent it's like yeah yeah you shudder you know when you want to say something
2: i was the comic on most of the stuff i was always having fun and cutting up and we'd be running airboats, and i'd see a real thin body of water and i'd run over there and do circles in it you know (laughs) he's dragging along going you need to come on come come on on." you know
0: well he told me the one of the most epic fishing or tarpon battles was with you yeah. When you were fishing six pound tests by yourself. Now, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, bro. Sorry. Like a, yeah, I know. I, know. I know. So tell me about that story.
2: Ah, that's a crazy story. Um, we were catching enough tarpon in the lagoon, and it was a closed body of water. It might as well have been. I mean, and
0: fairly shallow, too. Yeah, it was
2: seven feet, average seven foot depth. And, uh, in order for the fish to get out into deep water anywhere, they had to go all the way up to Ponce Senlet, which was 15, 18 miles. And the other way, it was further. So uh, the fish would come in there and they would screw down they would under the rolls. And uh, I thought, well, this would be a place to try six-pound because the fish really can't can't get you out into the Gulf or can't get you in deep water. So uh, I used the nine weight. And they, I couldn't find a, a wide gap hook that had a thin wire. And so I took a circle hook that had a real thin wire, and I cut the tip off of it and then fashioned a point on it with a file. And uh, I called Lefty. And I said, I, this is what I want to do. And he really wasn't all that for it. But he said, I will tell you this. Do 100-turn biminis at the top of the class tippet. And I thought, well now why is that? And he said, well it won't affect your IGFA because it's at the top. And uh, it'll give you more stretch.
1: A hundred turn. hundred turn Biminis.:
0: So yeah he, yeah, he used to tie them with an uh, electric drill. That's what I tied him with, well, electric drill. Yeah, he can spin it really fast.
2: And what'll happen is when you run the drill, <laughs> it'll pull your hand. because mm-hmm. You put an Allen wrench in there and the Allen wrench is, uh, wrench is offset. So you're, it pulls you. you oh, count interesting. You count the pulls. And uh, I, I only tied one or two without the drill. And I said, I, I got to get a drill. <laughs> <laughs> my head's tired. But um, you're right. I was ill-prepared in my wildest dreams. I didn't think that I would ever get this done. And uh, so I went out. I had a whip ray with a 25 on it. And uh, the fish was laying up. About a buck twenty, one fifteen. And uh, I thought, well, that'll do it. Yeah, it will. I, I think the record at the time
0: was eighty, 82 82 eighty two and a two. half. That was Stu App's record.
2: Threw the fly over there, and like Lefty would say, it was like rolling a wine bottle in a jail cell. <laughs> 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 what I'd had a problem with, and again, I didn't have anybody to.
1: Mentor you or teach you or
0: run the boat,
1: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, have a gaff.
2: Yeah, I didn't. I just I don't know. And uh, so I was guessing. And what would happen with most of the fish is they'd get out there and then turn. And the pressure of that turn and the fly line would break the six. So if you didn't break them off on the hook set, you broke them off because they get too much line on you before you get the boat started.
0: Did you cut your fly line back? No. We used to cut our fly lines way back, so there was not such a long See, call I, should, I should have called
2: you, because <laughs> so I need to get some Dude. advice. But uh this fish went dead straight. And uh, so I realized that I was outgunned. I'm trying to run a tiller skiff and fight the fish.
0: On six, 130-pound yeah, fish yeah. on six. 115,
2: 120.
0: You probably came up with this uh, thought of, uh, of, of doing this uh, after a good bottle of wine the night before. I <laughs> probably happened.
1: I'm sure that's right. So I called
2: Flip, and I said, I got, I got a little problem here. And he said, what is it? And I explained
0: So, so now you're fighting a six-pound fish, running a tiller, and on you got the phone. Talking on the phone.
2: <laughs> and Flip was on the way to the post office, and he said, I'll be right there. Now, I'm in the middle of the lagoon, he drives to Lafayette's Fish Camp, which is, oh, some distance away, but not that far. Catches a ride with two young fellas who I knew one of them's dad. And they are more than happy, you know, to right. flipping the boat. And so they bring him to me and he gets on the boat. I'll never forget what he said. He gets on the boat and he goes, Bonanza. That's what he always said. He said Bonanza. Bonanza. Yeah. And, uh, and what'd that mean? It just meant we're, we're, we're going to catch him. We're in the game. We're going to catch him. And and he said, I'll be the jaws of life. It'll be like <laughs> the jaws of life. We'll grab him. And uh, he didn't say anything about not having to kill Gaff, you know, until later. But we could have stroked that fish so many times. I mean, at least that's the way I recall it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm up on the front and he's and I'm looking at the fish right there. Well, the whole day went through and we had a hell of a lightning storm,
0: which the, the whole day, how many hours are you talking now?
2: I hooked him at about nine and, uh, it's late in the afternoon and a uh, lightning storm cooled us off and, and then it got dark. And, uh, so we're still behind the fish. I said, Flippy's gotta, she's gotta get tired. And he said, well, they're pretty good at swimming.
1: <laughs> crap.
2: so uh when it got dark i've never seen when i was a kid old timers called it fire in the water the phosphorescence in the mm-hmm, water sure i've never seen it like that before it was incredibly bright this bluish greenish hue that was
0: it was gorgeous. So when the fish is swimming, you could see that coming off of its you sides, like a
2: everything. like an airfoil. He'd kick his tail, and you could just right. could see the whole fish. I mean, it was see the leader. You could see everything, and uh, so we're behind the fish. The fish goes out, gets in the ICW, and steaming north, and um, so that went on. That went on. I remember. Um, it uh, must have been 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, and my son had heard that we were fighting this fish, so he drove from Orlando, put his boat in, came out there, set up a little...
0: Drove bar. from Orlando?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Drove and launched the boat, came out there, and um, set up a little bar. And Flip was having a cocktail. My son was having a cocktail. Scott Tripp, who's a this guy. This is crazy. He comes out there and joins us. And he's having a cocktail. I said, somebody fix me a cocktail. Said,
1: no way. No,
2: that's not going to happen, you know. And uh, So anyway, we're steaming along. And I said to Flip, probably 1 o'clock. I said, Flip, look at the fireworks. And he, he called me Duck and uh how'd
0: you, how'd you get that name
2: well he's in charge of naming people <laughs> it was just, a duck was just duck <laughs> no he said that i can look like i'm so relaxed you know and yet under the water my okay my feet are going like this <laughs> that was my brain going yeah. crazy you know
0: so when you're fighting this fish he was calling you call goose he called me duck
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he said uh duck there's no fireworks at one in the morning I mean, it's not, there's no reason for that. And I said, well, look at him. And he looks, and he's, I turned around and looked at him, and he was scratching his beard, which is what he did a lot. Sure. When he didn't quite know what was happening, he'd scratch his beard. And he said, uh, porpoise. I said, what's porpoise? And he said, your fireworks are porpoise. And what was happening, I've never seen this before. It's like something out of Avatar, the movie Avatar. Right, sure. The porpoises were coming toward us from the north. We're going north, and they were blowing that phosphorescent water out of their blowholes.
0: Wow! Oh my
2: gosh! And the water would go up, and it looked like like there goes the Roman candle. There it goes. And wow! It just, and there's so there's three of them. So it's constant, and I we couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just something like crazy. And so the porpoise were coming this way, and the tarpon's going this way, and when the porpoise got to the tarpon, they spun around. And you can see it. I mean, it's not like you think that's what they did. You can see the porpoise clear as day, you can see the tarpon clear as day. And um, in the meantime, all this phosphorescent stuff's flying through the air, and it was just like, this is a dream, you know, it's crazy. And The porpoise would go underneath the tarpon and over the top of the tarpon. I said, They're gonna break my leader. And he said, Porpoise don't run into anything accidentally. And uh, so I took him at his word. I mean, I'm sure he was right, right? And uh, that went on for like 15 minutes or so with the porpoise and the tarpon. I've seen that before, uh,
1: with tarpon in Boca Grande since. Mm-hmm uh do they know that tarpon is in distress and they're trying to help that tarpon out i don't it has to be
2: that um and i'll tell you why um but but i've seen them shoulder to shoulder feeding eating seahorses in boca Grande off the beach wow and you you, i mean like that sipping them off the top and off grass so after a little while uh, the porpoise spun off and went right by the boat and I watched this porpoise go by and he turns up on its side and looks at you and you go it's cool you know and all of a sudden the fish goes and turns around now he'd been steaming north for several hours now he's going with the tarpon I mean with the porpoise and he's right behind him so this little trio of porpoise with the tarpon are going the other way So Flip's turning the skiff around, get the boat turned around, and line's peeling off the reel, just faster than it had for a very long time. Big explosion in the water, looked like somebody had thrown a Volkswagen out there some distance away, not that far, 40 yards, 30 yards. Line went limp. And uh, Flip goes... I don't believe in this stuff. I don't believe in the goodnight, John boy, you know, the animals are talking to each other. He said, there's no way that I can believe it, but that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, porpoise broke your line. It did. Wow.
2: And and on the heels of saying they don't run into it's stuff up. accidentally.
0: Right, right. And, uh, and that was 16 hours later. 16 hours. After you hooked that fish. Yeah.
2: And I remember looking at Flip, and he said, duck, gosh, and I said, Have you ever had more exciting experience in your life? I haven't. There was no coulda, shoulda, woulda. There wasn't any of that. No anger, no. It was
0: beautiful in every way.
2: Incredible. (laughs) Just, so my son took Flip back to his car. I think that's what happened. And then Scott Tripp had a boat there And Scott and I are running back to my house on the water. And he's going back to his wife who was upset at him because he'd left a cocktail party in his house (laughs) and just left all his
0: guests. It was a big party. It
2: was a big big party. party. We were having more fun than they were. And um, we stopped in a bay. I could take you to the bay. And I shut the engine off and I was going to finish my cocktail. And uh, I looked out there and it was slick. And all you could see was mullet landing on their sides in that bay, just
0: wow, big, how, how cool. big
2: light pools. And I said to Scott, who's a dear friend, God, what a great guy. I said, Scotty, don't ever forget this. This is one of those things that you, you hold on to. I said, uh, you just keep it in your brain. And he said, I will. And we always talk about it. You're right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, I have this trick silly, but when I go to bed, I I pre-think about something to think about before I fall asleep. I do it every night. And uh, it's something that brings me great pleasure, joy, happiness. And I found that if I do that, that's the way I wake up. Mm. But if I go to sleep worried or angry, that's the way I wake up so i picked that story a lot interesting i go back to that story and i go i remember that i remember this happened and and i go through it and fall
0: asleep
2: but yeah it's a one in a lifetime experience
0: what a story we said um the greatest thing that ever happened to you was a heart attack yeah it was how'd that change your life <clears throat>
2: um i had just sold uh we had just sold our company and uh, I was 49, and uh, I was a workaholic. I didn't know when to stop. And uh, it had gotten to the point where for the last three years, I, didn't, I wasn't that excited about it. it. It had gotten a lot, and I was tired. And uh, so when we sold the company, um, at that point, I, I called my wife, it was two in the morning when we closed. I said, pack, some, pack a bag, we're going out, we're going somewhere. So I ran home about three o'clock, we were in the car going north. And she said, we went over the Lake Monroe Bridge. And she said, you know, we've never been to the Keys. I went down the ramp, turned around and went south. Mm. <laughs> went to Chica Lodge. And for six months, life was just incredible i mean it was total freedom and uh wonderful feeling and then i was down at my hunting camp killed a deer at uh mid-morning and it was a bad shot and the deer got off from me and uh kept looking for the deer and uh found him about eight o'clock at night a guy brought a dog in and the deer was in a swamp up I was up to my waist and one little part of the horn was sticking out of the water
0: wow it's amazing that dog found him. good dog yeah and
2: uh, so we got the deer it was cold so I brought the deer back skinned him uh, gutted him hung him in the cooler and called my wife said I'm gonna stay here tonight drive home in the morning I'm really tired and she said no come home tonight and uh, so I said all right so I got in the car and drove home and Two or three hours later, woke up, chest pains, uh, nauseated, uh, slipped out of bed, went downstairs, standing at the kitchen, and hit the floor. And um, I remember thinking, I wonder what this could be. You know, you got chest pains and short of breath, nauseated, and your left hand. You don't want to
0: accept the fact no, of what you're experiencing because no, no. you know what it is. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I prayed I did. And uh, she got me on my feet and put me in the car and uh, drove to the hospital. I was sure I was going to die in a car wreck. <laughs> she was trying, she's so she's so cool. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me was Janie. I mean, she is an amazing, amazing person. And uh, got to the hospital and I passed out in the car. And uh, I woke up and I see these white lights. Well, of course, I'm thinking it's Jesus, You know, it can't be all bad. And it's not. The, this pilot, this helicopter pilot, had gotten me out of the car and was running down the hallway, and they were fluorescent lights. It wasn't Jesus at all.
0: It was fluorescent
1: lights. I think a lights. lot of
2: people see fluorescent lights, you know,
0: that are airbags. Yeah, they say, I, I saw heaven. I saw heaven. It was the ceiling it of was, the hospital. It was fluorescent lights. <laughs>
2: and uh, so they, they ended up putting two stents in. I didn't have any heart damage. And, uh, but I was pissed. I, I was angry about it. I-, I had this, like, you know, I finally get some freedom and then this. And uh, Janie said, you know, you gotta, you gotta think different. You gotta look at you. You're sitting here. You didn't die. And you got, you got your- a
0: second chance. You did.
2: And she was right. And, uh, so I asked the, uh, the nurse to bring me a pad and a piece of paper. And I wrote out twenty five dreams that I was going to go to. Number one was get healthy. And. Um, but during the procedure of putting the stents in, the surgeon said, uh, we found that you've got a faulty heart valve. It's a bicuspid valve instead of a Mercedes emblem. Mm-hmm. It, yours is a slit and Certain number of people, it's not that unusual, and uh, but he said you need to watch that and watch it carefully. And uh, so every six months I'd go to the doctor, you know, cardiologist. Everything was great until it wasn't great, and uh, after about 15 years, and uh, the doctor, uh, when he took, he said, "You're you got to have surgery. You got to get a new heart valve." And uh, I said, that's a pretty big deal. And he said, yeah, it's a big deal. You know, they cut you open. And he said, we're going to do a bypass when we're in there. I said, well, when you got the hood up, might as well fix everything. You know? <laughs> so they did. I put a, a bovine heart valve at me. And he said to me, you know, it's so good you were watching this. Because had you not been watching it, it have killed you mid-step your aortic valve and he said and that thing was shot when I took it out of there I never would have known that I had the problem without the heart attack never would have known never would have watched it interesting it would have taken me out and so I mean you got to look back on that and go
0: what a right what a gift so what were the 25 uh, items on that list most
2: of them uh, well, like I said, get healthy was number one. I wanted to catch do, a blue...
0: Do things.
2: Yeah. yeah. I wanted to get... Uh, I wanted to catch a blue marlin on a fly rod. Flip had been. And uh, one of my great friends uh, uh, had done that too, and so I said, well, I'll go do it. So uh, a buddy of mine took off, and we went to Portofino, Venezuela, and I did it. Right. And uh, it's not fly fishing.
0: No, again, I'll say, yeah. It's
2: not. And, they said, well, you take the boat out of gear. Well, yeah, that thing will go for another mile, you know. Sure. And uh, But it was, it was the eat was crazy. We
0: caught, we caught a, a, like a 250-pound blue marlin in St. Thomas on a beer can. On a beer can? A beer can. No. We were down there. I was doing a TV show. We caught a really big 700-pound fish the day before on conventional. I eventually caught one on a fly rod but we were just messing around. I said, I bet we could catch one on a beer can. <laughs> so we, we took a roll of tape and taped a big 9 hook to a beer can. Teased up this big Marlin, he came flying in. We threw this beer can out behind this fish and popped it a couple times, you know. He turned around and ate the beer can. No. Caught him. Really?
1: <laughs> How, I have a question. How would Tom Evans and all these world record chasers feel about the, the fact that you just said fly <laughs> fishing from Marlin's not fly fishing?
0: Well, he was saying it's not that hard. But what they did, what was hard about it, they were catching these big blue marlin on, on light tippet. He caught a two hundred and seventy-four pound blue marlin at sixteen pound test tippet. Unbelievable! It's not, it's not hard to hook them, but but to catch big fish, unbelievable. That's hard. Right? Yeah, and this was this fish
2: that I caught was one seventy-five, one fifty,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, so I mean, problem was. For me, um, i have five months after getting out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so my, I didn't have the sea legs and all that, but I was bound and determined to do and it. And you checked
1: right. it off your list.
0: Yeah,
2: I did. I caught the fish. It, it got tail wrapped. Yeah. That's
0: hard. It came up backwards. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, tell me about your I, Hatteras. Yeah. You bought a Hatteras too. I did. How, how did that change your life other than checking you know, a number off your list? Big dream. Um, uh, Janie and I
2: found the boat it was in St. Augustine it was a 54 hat I figured uh, if I was all in on tarpon fishing which I was that the boat could complement that I got we we're fishing Boca Grande at that time and uh, I got a little tired of sitting in Boca Grande hearing about all your fish down in the Keys <laughs> you know, I'm going this this sucks I and uh plus um, you know I'd always wanted I love boats.
0: I just you built I, your own boat. I, I
2: did. And and uh so we went over and looked at this fifty-four hat and we're standing at the dock and we bought it, and we're both standing there looking at each other, and she said, So what now? And I what said do we do, yeah. I said, I don't even know how to start the damn thing. <laughs> I had no you idea. Got a boat? No, I got a boat. <laughs> So I I talked to a guy named John Huff, who was a captain. And uh, John says, I'll show you how to run it. Yeah. So I hired him, who became a great pal. And uh, he said, I'll show you how to run the boat and work all the systems on the boat. And so he'd call me up, and it was blowing 20. And he said, all right, let's go. And I go, it's blowing 20. He said, I know, let's go. And uh, he started out with me backing up to the uh, channel markers, you you can't really hurt anything backing up to channel markers. So uh, I'd back up to the channel marker, and he said, all right, well, all right, now do it the other way, you know, with going with the tide. I'd do it there. You know what's cool about getting a little older is that a lot of things go downhill, but one thing goes vertical, and, and that you don't get intimidated. Not much intimidates you anymore. The older you get, you you have your opinions, and if somebody doesn't like it, the hell with it. You know, it's what you do. And nothing scared you anymore. Uh, I used to Especially say Especially to after a heart attack. Yeah, heart attack yeah, yeah, I told Tommy, I've seen the boogeyman. This is not the boogeyman. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. Uh, Huff says to me one day, put it in that slip right there. 82,000-pound boat, and I looked at that slip, and blowing, tide going the opposite Oh way. my God, I'd be pooping. I looked down at my hands, and my hands were trembling, and he goes, what's that? And I said, that's something I haven't seen in a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said,
2: damn, <laughs> damn, man. Can we find another slip? He said, put it in that slip, and I, and I did it. You know, it wasn't pretty. And all the boat owners on either side were, were shuddering, throwing out their bumpers and <laughs> everything's everything soft, but got it in there. And uh, so, uh, you know, he finally graduated me and said, You're good to go. And so Janie and I got in that boat and we were idling up to Ponce Inlet. And there was a place in St. Augustine that had a, uh, that had a, uh, a rock and roll band and we wanted to go up there on the boat that was our maiden voyage you know alone and uh we're idling just getting out of the inlet and she said can you believe this is us i said no no i can't because we hadn't done that you know but this is a whole new thing all this freedom and doing all these things and uh we're tooling along five miles off the beach. She said, now, how do you know where we're going? I said, it's pretty simple. You go out Ponce and take your first left, you know, because <laughs> that's the next right. navigable. We went in there, we had the greatest trip. It was awesome, it was so neat. And uh, we took a lot of trips together on the boat down yeah. south. Right. and
0: uh, You took it down outside of Shark, and, I did. Uh, down in the Everglades.
2: I did. Uh, she you wasn't said, on that trip. Um,
0: but you used that as a mothership with skiffs to go fishing right. and come back to the... Anchored off off the Shark. I mean, a lot of people boys, you know, had that as a pipe dream.
2: It was unbelievable. Uh, Tommy uh, had a client from New York. Uh, I was there... Uh, we had my brother brought his 47 in, lashed up to our boat, and um, we had several of those trips, and incredible. Yeah. And and then I would leave there. Tommy would head back to the Lorelei, and I'd leave there with my brother and his boat, and I'd go up about halfway to Marathon, where I could jump over get in the intercoastal.
0: Go through Vacacut.
2: Yep, yep, I think it's what it was. Yep. And then I'd go north and bring it up to the Lorelei. And uh, I'd look at that little opening in that basin. Right. You know that sure. little bay. I know
0: exactly where you're talking.
2: And uh, it was six and a half feet. Uh, and we needed, I needed six. And Tommy had the push pole in front of me. It was getting dark, but I could hear the drum music. The guy's playing the ten can music, you know, I call it. And uh, I was going in there. It was Jimmy Buff and the Coral Reef band. <laughs> yeah, <that's probably> right. <laughs> but I thought, I'm going in there. And I said, to, I went like this to Tommy. Move out of the way, and he said, no, no. I said, move out of the way. And I bumped it, I don't know. I, I have no. I would have been so nervous, my I have oh, my no God. idea how I didn't hit bottom. Yeah. But got it down there and spun it around. And the next day, we were practicing for the Gold Cup.
0: Wow! Out so you borderline. so you stayed on your boat when you fished the Gold Cup? That was in 2010. Yep, unbelievable. I mean, what do you think of tournament fishing?
2: I gotta tell you, it was it was a high watermark mark in my life. Uh, like I said, in Boca Grande, I'd fished with good anglers, mm-hmm. not guides. I've hired one guy in my life, and and I've hired Tommy many, many, many times, but I've never had another guy.
0: Did he ask you to fish the Gold Cup, or did you ask him?
2: He did. He came to me and said, I want you to fish the Gold Cup. Mm -hmm. And it was like... It was like Santa Claus. I, mean, I think
0: that was right after I quit fishing. How great you,
2: is Tommy? You weren't there. I, I went there thinking, I'm going to get to meet Andy Mill. It's going to be the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> and I'm going to beat him.
1: I never said
2: that. Trust me, I never said that. But uh, you know what? It was to be around 25 anglers and 25 or 24 because I'm one of the
0: yeah.
2: uh, guides, that are the best in the world, and there I am, and with, at that, the, the likes of me, in that environment. And uh, Andy, I, I can't even describe it. I, I remember going to the uh, to the meetings that mm-hmm. one night they had the meeting. The angler, the angler meeting, e- yeah. went
0: on Wednesday night. Yeah. yeah, and
2: I remember listening to how painful it was uh, to to come up with a way that was the best thing for the fish. Right. It wasn't the turn, it was, this is the right way to do it. And and uh, and then going to the Calcutta, <laughs> we're sitting there and uh, they're, they're bidding things up. And I remember I was gonna buy the team, you know, our team. Right. And uh, But it, the number was getting up there. And not because we were good, just because we were, we were fresh bait.
0: You yeah, know, you were forced. <laughs>
2: yeah, and uh, I think I yelled out, you know, this is great. If somebody just showed Tommy and I where the boat ramp is, that would be really cool. <laughs> you know? But uh, I, I can't even describe it for me. Um, my favorite part of it was, uh, and I have to say, I wrote about this in that book that I wrote, Double Hall um uh, was waiting for the for the horn
1: yeah that's you a know, special moment yeah yeah
0: and so that's the fleet in the morning they shoot the horn on the the the, the group of five, five boats take off full speed that's right wait five minutes another group and i remember
2: sitting there thinking oh my god how cool is this and you'd watch the flights go out and you could see their stern lights.
0: Yep. And you're sitting in your it's boat. It's pitch black. It's pitch black. It's five forty-five and six yeah. o'clock in the morning.
2: Yeah. And you'd see their stern lights, and it looked like dying embers.
0: Way, yeah. Way out there. They're going seventy miles an hour.
2: Yeah. Just hauling ass, you know. And you'd go, "Oh my God, what?" And every one of those boats, I came to know exactly what that felt like right to, to to the guide and the angler a team the excitement that, and, and and it was two people with one mission to go into some secret sacred
1: place that they'd cooked up and and then it was your turn were you nervous that first day in the gold cup yeah yeah, yeah. About, I'm sure you how were
0: about, how about the first fish you threw to yeah <laughs> I, re- I remember that yeah, very well. well I wasn't
2: I, as nervous as the hatters but yeah. I was plenty nervous um i don't i never I don't know um winning it I think the only person at the awards banquet uh that it, it, that was probably the only person that was more excited than I was just to be there, you know mm-hmm. um I didn't have uh the knowledge and expertise that you had mm-hmm. at that point. Um, still don't but um, nobody loves this sport more than i do nobody
0: i, I can see that uh, uh because i know a little bit about your history in boca Grande and you know the evolution that you've had with your painting of the yeah. fish the books that you've written it is deeply embedded into your heart it's a, it's it's huge but we did a podcast with uh frank davis great guy and he mentioned that when they had the jigs stopped over there yeah that you played a major role in that fishery and in conservation tell me about that Um, it
2: it, it's a little bit like being at the grocery store and watching some thug trying to steal an old man's purse and it pisses you off Um, I I, it was the love I'm gonna use your word passion Mm -hmm. your book Uh, It's pure passion, the care that you give to let a fish go. And uh, you hold a tarpon, I'm going to get to that, but I have to say this first. You hold a tarpon boatside and you look at that fish. Tommy and I took four big fish out of Homosassa.
0: Like 180 pounders. Over one, they were between
2: 182 and whatever the last one was. And uh, you look at that fish And you put it together in your brain that at the time I was 70, 72, 71. Mm -hmm. And you go, that fish was swimming when I was born.
1: Right. Yeah. Same age.
2: Same age. And then, gee whiz, when I graduated from elementary school, that fish was swimming. And, And then you start to put all this together. I met Janie that fish was swimming and we had the kids and you 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 can't it has a life it's incredible to think Mm -hmm. that way and and so to see somebody throw all that away off to the side and snag that fish with a snagging machine that's that's what they were using Mm -hmm. it was a circle hook that big on top of a weighted jig right fished vertically.
0: Jigging straight up into the their jug. It,
2: plain and simple, it was flossing.
0: Right. Which is
2: horizontal, they call it up north. That's flossing horizontal. This was vertical flossing.
0: Right. And um, But it took two years to get that banned, and I think Frank Davis uh, was in like a $250,000 lawsuit. That's right. What kind of repercussions did you have on you?
2: I had the Hatteras in Gasparilla Marina, the guys would go by the boat and uh, call me an MF, and my wife sitting there, and you know. So
0: they, you were a target too. Yeah,
2: and they put a camera on the boat. And,
0: mm-hmm.
2: You know, I didn't start the boat, put it in gear until I swam under it.
0: Yeah, you know. Is and, that right? Yeah, wow.
2: it got crazy, and and then they did a newspaper thing, and I made some quotes in that, and just, it was. You know, but you know, in fairness, a couple of those guys swung by the boat and said, that's not how I roll. I'm sorry about that, but I don't do that, you know. And uh, so, you know, there was some good guys. Right. And uh, so uh, my best friend, a guy that I grew up with uh, since I was in my teens, uh, Ken Wright, was chairman of the Florida Wildlife Commission. And I went to Ken. And Ken loves fishing and he loves the tarpon. And I told him, I said, This is what they're doing. And he said, What do you want to do? And I said, I wanna stop it. I want to in the worst way. And he said, Okay, let's do it. And without Ken, wouldn't have happened. Because none of us had that kind of that kind of knowledge pull. and pull. And so um, it did take two years. It, it took two years uh, because of the the process that you have to go through. You have to have you sure have to get through the first vote and then the second. <clears throat> in Lakeland, we made it by one vote. Wow, it was close. And some of the conservation groups that should have stayed with us didn't. One in particular, and they we didn't, and we almost lost it. And uh, but when we got it to Tallahassee um i i don't know why but i knew it was going to work and uh it was all i thought about i mean i just for two years mm-hmm. and it, it's it was frank and 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 I, if i get started with the names i'll forget somebody yeah I, one name comes to mind's mark futch who died of a heart attack uh uh sometime after that great guy incredible guy I don't like to fly, and uh, but I'd fly with him, and we'd fly up to Tallahassee, and uh, and then, you know, and I, I'd always say to him, "We're going to get home, right?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. And uh, he said, he, he always said, "Listen, I fly seaplanes. Sea I don't crash seaplanes. Okay, just relax. No, that's said, okay. good. But uh, the boat came, and uh, and 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 they passed it.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Do you yeah. still have your Hatteras? No, sold yeah. it. Yeah,
2: sold it, and uh, bought a uh, 40, 42 footer. Right, sold that, and and we're we're looking at another one now. Yeah. Well, it's you're seventy
0: six now. What what's left for you? You know, is there any other left, left on on the uh, on the list of the twenty five list? Grandchildren and gran-
2: grandchildren are on the list. That's what's on my list. I.
0: So you've dedicated your life now to your children well, and grandchildren.
2: Yeah, I mean. I mean,
0: you' still, still fish, fish obviously oh yeah
2: and and but uh andy i i gotta tell you if i die tonight i want to come back as me yeah an incredible mm-hmm. incredible family an incredible life um but uh you know i'm doing everything i can do to stay in the game with Tarpon. i um just had a new shoulder put in And the the primary thing that was in my mind is I can't fight a tarpon, And I'm not that's that's the part of the game that I love the most. I love to eat. I love that. And uh, I, I, you know, there's not a part of it that I don't like, but I like fighting big fish. I love fighting big fish. You never, ever know. What? That fish is gonna do, no matter how many of them catch, uh, until you take the wrapper off of it. It's like a Christmas present. Hmm. And you stick that fish, and some of them jump, some of them don't jump, some of them scream offline, some of them dodge under the boat. You don't know. And uh, but big fish, fighting big fish, it's it's like getting in a it's like getting in a fight. And uh I learned so much about that from Tommy and uh, over the years of us fishing together. And I love pulling on fish.
0: That's really cool. And
2: I love 16. I don't fish anything but 16. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, it, uh, I, I, I don't think you can get too old for that. Tom Evans.
0: He's still doing it. He's still doing it. He's still doing it.
2: If he can do it, I can. You can you too. Know. And so, yeah, just keep putting new parts in. You'll be around. I'll be around here forever. I told Janie, I said, when I die, you take me to the salvage yard and get all this metal out of me. <laughs> You'll have some money then. But uh, no, uh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, listen, Bill, it's, been, it's so awesome to be with you, and thank uh, you for these uh, the gifts uh, that you've painted for uh, us that uh, we're going to take you know take back to our homes. And I'd love to get you know this uh, stainless steel tarpon that you've. Uh, we will we discussed that, will you've, discuss you've that
2: all the way. I want to say one more thing. What you guys are doing—you remember I told you about telling Scott Tripp, Don't ever forget this. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's what happens: is that people forget. Not that he would, but you're making sure that this, these these things aren't forgotten. You put them on, put them on film, and and uh,
0: you're saving a lot. Saving history, and it's all. You know, it's Nikki's vision.
1: Look at, it, look at you. It, I look. had to bug him for years, but we're finally doing it. I heard you say on one of your podcasts that you all are better friends than you are. Well, Father, son. Father, son. Oh, 100%. And I, 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 I want to kick him in the teeth sometimes, but he's, he's, he's my best friend. Well,
2: <laughs> I'm that way with our, our daughter, Shannon. Nobody I'd rather have on the front of my skiff throwing a tarpon than my daughter. She's awesome, and she can throw a fly rod Oh, good Lord. And uh, and my, my son, Billy. And now suddenly, I've got four grandsons.
0: You're a busy pusher
1: now.
2: I love it. I love it. I do. So you're going to
0: be pushing that boat
2: until you're 100. I'm going to be there. Well I'm not going anywhere.
1: I can still see you have uh, a fiery heart for the passion for the poon. Amen. And it's great to yeah. great to meet you, Bill. Thanks My so pleasure. much for coming thank on. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah. Thank you, buddy.
2: Listen, you're an icon
1: oh. to shake hands
2: with you. Oh well, thank a, you. What a
0: pleasure. You're so kind. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you.
1: When the is just
0: When I listen to Bill's bucket list of 25 things he still wanted to do after his heart attack, it makes me think that I, too, need to live for life's adventures a little more aggressively, because really all these great things are going to pass by us before we know it. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you'd like to see more content or behind the scenes, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We'll see you again soon just so right a right just a ride.